Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. I know it's been two weeks, but, you know, some of you may have forgotten who this voice belongs to. And just in case that is the scenario with you, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church, and it's great to be able to sit here in the studio and reach out to not only my congregation here in Dallas, but to the Saints family that extends in so many places around the world. I want to <clears throat> say a number of things today. First of all, we have an expanded teaching. You know, I've just been recuperating, so I've had a lot of time to study and work on a lot of different things. That's the beauty of um, um, having a, a laptop and being someone who, who loves to seek the Lord and study the Word. Uh, you, can be, uh, you can be relatively physically inactive while your spirit and your mind is going forward. So if you've not pulled up the outline yet, please do that because we, we've got a lot of stuff to cover when we get into the teaching. And it'll be helpful for you to have that outline there in front of you. But I want to thank Monica for filling in for me um, last week and uh, during the Saints radio broadcasts and the message of the week for France. Uh, I speak blessing over her and um, am sure that it was uh, a blessing for you to hear her and receive the word as she felt led to deliver it from the Spirit. I want to thank Pastor Fabian for speaking on Sundays and again um, for all of the team that continued to have uh, our services moving forward without any glitch or, or hindrance. And I want to thank all of you for praying for me. Um, everything seems to be well and I'm very, very grateful, excited to be able to enter into this new year, uh, this prophetic year, and um, to see a number of powerful things implemented. We are not quarantined in the spirit. We are moving forward in, um, in tremendous ways as saints. And so, again, thank you. I appreciate your continued prayers for my, um, my continuing regaining of strength and replenishing. Um, everything went well. I was so grateful to the Lord for his favor. Um, also, I uh, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. I'm, I'm going off my computer today <laughs> because the outline is long and I didn't want to waste paper and print. Uh, so uh, somehow my messages that are coming in uh, ding up here on this glorious uh, machine of mine. See if I can arrange for that to stop. I think I have. So um, I trust that you were able to hear the uh, Saints radio from yesterday. If you didn't, tune in. We had three young ladies who are ministering in California. I, I think we need to start calling anybody who's actually ministering the things of intercession 
missionaries in that state. Um, you, I, I don't think anybody needs to go to a third world country or China or Russia to have an impact in the darkness. You, you're, you're dealing with, uh, uh, out in California, a headquarters of the Prince of the Power of the Air and of Lucifer himself. And so recognize that no matter how altruistic your desire to move somewhere else might be, you stand in the gap where God has put you because that is a fulcrum point for what this world is is going through. There's not a whole lot of places that Hollywood and uh, California does not impact in the world. So, um, but anyway, we had three missionaries who were on the broadcast yesterday, and uh, you'll be blessed if, if, if you've not yet heard it, and if you have heard it, you know that what I'm saying is true. Okay. Today we want to talk about the subject of being filled. And this is one of those terms that is bannered about in, in Christian circles, especially when it comes to the things of the Spirit. And it's another one of those terms that, unless you really actually recognize what it truly means, it can mean anything. And what a travesty that is. You know, I grew up in the church. I grew up in Pentecost. And we thank God for that heritage. But it was very much, here is the King James, and here is what we think it means. And a lot of it was accurate. But a lot of it was surface. And that allowed us to have a lot of unanswered questions and it allowed for us to have a lot of ways that the Scripture truly wasn't breathing the full intent of what the Spirit actually said. Of course, then I remember when the Living Bible came out and the, uh, the, the Revised Standard and uh, the New American Standard, and those were, those were going to bring the Scripture alive, but they really didn't. Uh, in, in fact, they, they did not go deep deep enough, and I'm not faulting them, but they did not go deep enough to really bring the, the, uh, the integral message of what the Spirit was saying forward. So anybody who was raised in Pentecost, if, if you see the scriptures that say, be filled with the Spirit, I, I, don't, I, I can't venture what you thought it meant, but I can tell you what I thought it meant. And it, there were a lot of holes in my assumption. For some people, being filled with the Spirit just meant speaking in tongues. Whether you spoke every day or not from that point was inconsequential. And a lot of Christians who received the, the, the speaking with unknown tongues, they didn't continue on. In fact, I know this because I had a good sampling in my own church. I, would, I was a younger man. I talked to a lot of established Christians, including my parents, and me and my mom said she spoke in tongues about once a month. And um, I know that there were some who were raised, even in my own family, who don't speak in tongues anymore. I find that hard to imagine. But for many Pentecostals, they associate them being filled with the Spirit with a Pentecost-type ad adventure where perhaps they spoke a few lines in unknown tongues and then thought, okay, I've got it. 
and then they moved on as if it was a one-off. Well, it's not a one-off. Speaking in tongues is something that was received at Pentecost, and as we're going to see here in the Scripture, it was something that God gave to the church to continue to use, and um, but the usage of those unknown tongues and diversities of tongues was largely uh, unutilized. It was not fulfilling what the Scripture said it should do. For instance, you know, for those folks who spoke in tongues thought, well, you know what this is helpful for? A lot of times I don't get what I'm asking God for when I pray. So I need the Spirit to ask Him in a way so that I can get what I want. Some people felt that if they prayed in tongues, it was like having a friend on the inside. That is not what tongues were for. You speak to God, not unto men, because it's relationship with the Father. You speak mysteries because you're to be partnering with what God has ordained for you to discover and to bring to birth according to his evolving eternal plan. You, um, the Spirit helps you in your infirmities because you know not how to pray. And infirmities are astheneas, things that are there that have not yet come into function. And that addresses things in your life, in your terio of assignment, in places that God ordained from the foundation of the world that for whatever reason he has not seen fit to bring into action. Those are the mysterions. Those are the infirmities. It should not be interpreted as, you know what, I've been asking God for a new, let's say, a new Tesla. And, um, you know, I've been quoting scripture and I've been binding and rebuking and I've got a prayer chain going because I believe God's given me the desire of my heart, which is also misconstrued and misinterpreted. We, we take the desire of our heart and we make it the desire of our emotions or the desire of our lusts. And that's not what that scripture means. That's not what that promise means. And so somebody says, well, either God isn't answering because he's not hearing me or I'm not asking in the right way. I've applied all the things I learned at my faith conventions and all the CDs that I've listened to of teaching and it ain't happening. So I need to employ now the Holy Spirit to pray for me so that I can finally get that Tesla I want. Or whatever it is that you think you want. That's, that's, that's bogus. And that's not what praying in the Spirit is. So I know what the Pentecostal dogma is. And they say, you receive the baptism in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. To a large degree, I, I fully agree with that. But then you have people who were filled with the Spirit before Pentecost. You had people that were filled with the Spirit in the Old Testament. You had people that uh, were told after Pentecost, very shortly after Pentecost, to be filled again with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. And so it cannot just mean having a Pentecost experience. Now again... I am saying unequivocally that you need to enter into the, the things of the Spirit by receiving that precious and extremely necessary gift 
of speaking in tongues. Mark that down. Any of you Pentecostal purists, don't misinterpret me. But what I'm saying here, as a classic Pentecostal from my youth, is that we need to understand what it actually means to be filled with the Spirit. And we need to begin to bring those scriptures that speak about the two major variations in the New Testament, how to bring those scriptures to life. It's imperative that we know this. Now, I want to add a disclaimer here. I hope on all this time I've given you plenty of opportunity to pull up this sheet. It should be available to you there. But in June of 2013, I spoke on this. And um, I spoke on it in a way that is concurrent with what we're talking about today. But the Spirit has poured new insights and new rhema for this moment. And I think we need to we need to recognize that the Word of God is, is alive and it is a line upon line, precept upon precept leading. And I do believe that our study today is something that is going to impart to us volumes of wonderful releases of the Spirit in our life and in our walk to come. So, there what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And there are two major biblical aspects in the New Testament. One comes from a term called plero, a Greek term, and the other one comes from pletho or pimpleme. And we'll talk about that one next. But let's first look at what plero means. And that does mean to be filled, but it means to to be filled in conjunction with having accomplished something or having completed something. So get that in your thinking. Plero is um, to have accomplished, to fulfilled, to have completed. And we're going to see that as we look at a sampling of Scripture. Now, I want to assure you, I always have to do this because You know, it's a benefit for the saints to have lots of study programs. And I value that. We need to continue to study, whether it's Olive Tree or Logos or WordPress or whatever it might be. Those are great. But sometimes Aunt Nellie starts looking and she can't find exactly what I'm saying and it absolutely fries her circuits. She sees what Strong says, and she sees what John Hagee says, and she sees what this person says. And because they may not be saying exactly what I'm saying, well, somehow I must be wrong. Let me assure you that I've looked at nine lexicons, and I've read several um, commentaries on these words from how this word was used in the early Greek vernaculars. And so I've compiled all that. Forgive me for not footnoting it for some of you that are more difficult to process. And I sound like I'm talking down to people. I'm not. I'm just saying that as you study this, if you don't see exactly what I'm saying to have accomplished, fulfilled, or completed, don't think that I'm going off the cuff. Just trust me. If you, if you know me, trust me. And if you don't know me, study it a little bit. Don't ask me where I got this from, because I'm not going to waste time on that. There are volumes of things. I mean, if you just look up 
the comparison between Plero and Pimpleme, you'll find a lot of things there. A lot of people that are linguists who will study. If you want to take the time to do that, do that. It took me an hour and a half to look through all this. And I've got degrees in these types of studies. So if you want to invest the time, do it. But just know that this is what this word means. It doesn't just mean the fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. It doesn't just mean that. Um, uh, to be filled here, yes, there is going to be, when things are completed, fulfilled, and accomplished, there is going to be an empowerment. You are going to have a, a release that comes into you. But the objective is not you going from a half a tank to full tank or three quarters of a tank. The objective is that you have accomplished, fulfilled, or completed something. So now in our outline, we're going to look at, first of all, a grouping of scriptures. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each of these. I'm just showing you that they use this word pleiro. And we're going to look at a grouping of scriptures that speak about the fulfillment of the word or divine timing. And this word is used to describe this. So let's look at Mark 1.15, saying, The time is fulfilled, there's our word, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Mark 14.49, the Lord saying, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Plero. Luke 4, 20 through 21. And he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister. This was his first sermon, and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. There was a completion, a, an accomplishment of what Isaiah had prophesied. And there it was, coming to full fruition. And it filled them. It fulfilled. John 12, 38. The saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who have believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. You see, both of these last two have been prophecies of Isaiah, different prophecies of Isaiah, that in the Lord's time were being completed, initiated, fulfilled. Well, the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 1.25, where I have made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Do you know that we are continuing as saints to do this? I'm sorry, this Mac Air of mine just keeps dinging. Maybe it's inspiring me. Maybe anytime I say something that's somewhat anointed, there'll be a ding. Shows you the people uh, are, are uh, really in tune with the anointing. Um, Paul certainly did not complete the scripture. But for what Paul was speaking and ministering in the dispensations of God, the, the, the eternal word was being fulfilled and completed in the junctures that Paul was, was speaking. James 2.23 says, 
The scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. The scripture was fulfilled when Abram believed, and uh, righteousness was there. Something was initiated. Acts 7.30, when 40 years were expired, there's our word, there appeared unto Moses in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. Those 40 years that Moses was out there in the wilderness tending to his livestock, they were fulfilled. And that time juncture was completed, and then it was time for him to go on into Egypt. When Jesus' brothers were razzing him and wanting him to manifest them himself, that happened in his family. You think you got troubles? Here's the Son of God dealing with a bunch of siblings, younger siblings, of course. Now, he didn't have the benefit of me having older siblings. <laughs> John 7, 8. Go you up unto this feast. I go not up yet unto the feast, for my time is not full come. It's not plero. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? I don't want to invest a lot of time on this because he eventually did go to the Feast of Cana and he worked the first miracle there. He said the same thing to Mary. You know, what do I have to do with you, woman? Um, it was up to Jesus in conjunction with the Father to know when it was time. And even though his siblings and maybe the Blessed Virgin may have been sensing something in the realm, the divine timing of God had to be clear in, in the spirit of Jesus. And for, of course, then for him to be in conjunction with the fulfilling of that. Also, it, the, the fulfilling in the joy of the Lord. And we studied in the Old Testament what the joy of the Lord really means. And, you know, if you would look or read that book or look at the teachings, you'll find out that the joy of the Lord is you actually completing something that God has ordained for you to partner with him to do. And then that becomes, in your journey toward that and in your fulfilling of it, a point of strength, which is why the joy set before Jesus was him not just thinking, Oh, man, things are going to be, won't it be wonderful there? It's an old hymn. Um, I, it wasn't just that Jesus was looking on the bright side. It was him saying, you know, when I've completed this task, then I'm going to have fulfilled what my father was wanting. I'm going to bless him. And the joy for that is going to be uh, immeasurable. So the joy of the Lord is really rooted at fulfilling what God has ordained. You know, Gideon spoke of this when his father, who had on his property the, the main altar to Baal, which is kind of weird, uh, he went and he jerked, Gideon jerked that thing down and he spoke about the joy of the Lord being his strength. <laughs> it wasn't, what song can I sing while I'm busting this sucker? Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And then, you know, I remember when we used to do, uh, you, if you want joy, you must clap for it. And we never said you must dance for it because that, that would have been, uh, un, uh, we weren't able to smoke, chew, or, or dance. 
but um, we've added all these things. You must clap for it. I don't think Gideon was singing that. What he was saying is this is something my, that God Almighty has demanded, and I'm going to do it because of him, and this is going to be a joyful thing, and it's going to provide strength for this mission. Uh, and um, so joy is there. But John 16, in that collection of scriptures that have really become profoundly a part of our vernacular in this Rhema moment, Verse 23, In that day you're not going to ask me anything. Verily I say unto you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name. We did a study for a few weeks over these last few months about Iteo and what that means. Um, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, asking you receive that your joy may be full or filled. And you know, as we enter into this time where God is ratcheting up our capacity to hear from him and declare and bring our petitions, we're going to be fulfilling things in that process, and it's going to, it's going to escalate our ability to establish the kingdom through following the Father's will and his directives, and the, the commensurate empowerment is going to be ex extraordinary. In um, the next chapter, John 17, verses 12 through 13, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name. Those that you gave me I have kept. None of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. There's our word. Now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Both of those are our signature word here. Uh, why was it necessary for Judas or whoever it would have been who would have fulfilled this scripture to have betrayed the Lord? Well, we've studied this in the past. I think that for any saint, you know, our father was betrayed by Lucifer and by the angelic that fell. Our father was betrayed by Adam. And if we're going to really partner with the father, we need to know what that feels like without abandoning our purpose and without um, engaging in retributive acts, or let's use a simpler word, without getting even with people. And there's there's a measure of saintly patience that involves that. It's not that we're looking to be betrayed, but how you handle betrayal in accordance with the things of the Father is going to determine whether you align yourself more fully with our Father and with Jesus uh, as opposed to aligning yourself with the world. So, the scripture's fulfilled, son of perdition. There's a bigger study with Judas. We've taught on this in the past. Some, some people that really are not processing scripture right think that Judas was just born, born to be wild. He was bad to the bone when he came walking. Dun, 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 dun. No, he, he wasn't. Uh, 
I think the enemy at that table at Gethsemane and leading up to the time was looking for anybody who would have been willing to betray and fulfill that part. And I think Judas did this because his agenda, his iniquity as the Sicariot, uh, he, he wanted his zealot to bring things to bear. He wanted the Lord to go against the corrupt system and attack Rome and truly be the Messiah that he thought he should be. And I think he felt that if I do this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to move things along. Know anybody like that? And then afterwards, he recognized the blunder. The enemy had used him as a tool, and he lamented and went and hung himself. Um, son of perdition, if we think God creates anybody without a chance for them to know him, then we have really put a major hole in our viewpoint of the love of God. But, you know, I've seen good people do bad things. I've seen bad people do good things. I've seen people who have been trusted brothers and trusted sisters who just twisted in their iniquity and did unconscionable things. And I think, how in the world did that happen? Why in the world would they do what they did? So you, you, can't, you can't say, well, you know, God just created me. That's a fool's errand. You know, I'm just fulfilling what God wanted. I'm supposed to mess with this guy. I'm supposed to act like the devil toward him. Uh-uh. Everybody has a choice, but somebody will bite on that. Okay, I, di I divested uh, my, my time. 1 John 1, 4, These things write we unto you that your joy may be fulfilled. I, I want to get this into you because we're going to come down to the point where it's talking about being filled with the Spirit. I want you to see how this word is used by the Lord and by so many others so we just don't think it's God opening up the spout where the glory comes out and taking us from an eighth of a tank up to three quarters. Of course, if you're in Nigeria or in a Western Africa country, you're only going to put a couple gallons in. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a joke. Uh, let's look at wisdom as an identity and a capacity. Luke 2, 40. The child grew, waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Um, filled with wisdom. Jesus and um, John, they, they were fulfilling something in that season of their infancies. And they needed to break through the morass of darkness and shine the light on the plan of God there. When the timing of God said it was, <clears throat> it was, um, it was fulfillment for progression and, and to continue to grow, uh, wisdom was there and it was actuated. Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual pneumaticos understanding. This doesn't mean you know everything. It means that um, you, you enter in and you, enter, you, you fully receive what God has, I used this term before, actuated for that moment. 
in wisdom and, and pneumatikos understanding. Obedience, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 5 and 6. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Plero, your obedience comes to a point where God says, all right, you've accomplished the task in this segment of your walk of faith. You've been obedient, and here is a, a measure of accomplishment. And you're going to go on to many more of those. Let's look at completion, Colossians 2.10. You are complete, that's our word, in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Why does it link those two? Because you should be functioning in the triumph in him of our Lord's victory over principalities and powers. You should be functioning in that. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, aren't you glad that's not your name? What would his nickname be? Epi? Pappy? <laughs> Frass? <laughs> I don't know. Sassafras? Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may be perfect, stand perfect and complete in all of the will of God. Now, we know nobody's perfect. If we say we're perfect, we lie. We deceive ourselves. But we strive for continuing to be refined and perfected. And according to the will of God, we want to keep on being completed, plero. So it's a progression of stages of fulfillment. What about this verse? Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply, there's our word, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This says that with every measure of fulfillment and completion in your walk with God, there is a provision for your need and the riches in partnering in the glory as anointed sons with Christ will be there with you. You know, I want to just stop down here for a moment to say that I think this year of you know, at the beginning of this year, God said he was going to change us in ways that were the same but bigger than when we all were first changed in our walk as saints. And as God has been through this rather odd year that mankind has never known anything quite like what we've walked this past year, um... We've, we've seen provision and supply. We've seen fulfillments of things. We've seen God eliminate debts. We've seen physical issues be rejuvenated and restored and brought into proper harmony. We've seen God equipping us for new measures of ministry. We've seen God positioning us for the way he wants us to launch forward in this new season. And I think that as we've partnered with the glory in Christ Jesus, um, the riches in his thesaurus in heaven, as we've partnered in wisdom, uh, God has been touching our needs with this measure of 
fulfillment, and completion. And if you've not heard anything else I've said thus far, you need to hear this because we've been living this verse. How about another one? The mandate for the filling and actualization of valleys. Luke 3, 5. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain, every hill brought low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth. Now, what do we know about valleys? We've studied a lot about valleys. Valleys are that juncture point between the mountain of promise and the mountain of fulfillment. The valley is to be a place where you confront the enemy who would try to withstand what God has promised you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies there. The valley is a place where we should be um, planting and cultivating. We've done extensive studies in the Word about the valleys. But every valley shall be fulfilled, completed, actualized, uh, according to the timetable of God. And um, as, as that happens, as that happens, and I know that there have been some valleys that we've walked through in this year and in the culmination of a few years that are being actualized now, that are setting the stage for us to populate the mountains on either side, to galvanize the mountain of, um, of promise and to really recognize and glean the truths of that promise so that we can sow that into others, and then to see the mountains that are part of our fulfillment, the valley should be a staging area for that. This is incredible for us. And I believe it's what God is doing right now. Every valley shall be plero. Now, if you, if you go the other way and you just say, well, you know what? I'm just going to fill this valley. You know, we had a, a piece of property to the north of us that we called the Vickery Lot. And God blessed us with that. It was just about an acre of land. And uh, when Central Expressway 75 was being expanded, um, they had to do a lot of demolition work and dig up a lot of things and uh, concrete, soil. And so we decided that we were going to fill in this valley, which was about a half acre over on this northern property. Right now, there are like five houses that are built on top of that. So I went over and talked to the construction engineer over on the, on the, on the property over there. We had to get permits for this. And I said, hey, I don't know where you're taking your semis to dump this stuff, but you can just bring it over to us and dump this concrete and soil into this valley. We put a French drain in for the little creek that was, or in West Virginia, the creek that was going in through it. And um, we had a, hired a man with a bulldozer to be here and to process that. And we filled in that valley. And it made it marketable land. It was a great blessing because if we tried to pay for that, oh my goodness. God really did a lot of miracles over there. And you know what? He, he through that process, allowed us to be able to finance 
Um, I think we bought that land. I was the pastor. We bought that land for like $200,000, and we probably sold the properties for, oh, I don't know, at the time, one and a half to two million. Uh, it would be worth much more than that now, but if we'd held on to it, none of us would have been here, and you wouldn't either probably. Um, but we're not saying that the valleys are going to be um, flat to where you've got just a mountain, just one higher plane. That's not what God wants. If you, if you did that everywhere, it would be ridiculous. We'd be living on a flat land. And who likes that? The beauty and the grandeur of mountains, you don't want to destroy that. You want to fulfill it all. So here, the valley being filled is, is knowing that you have walked with God and you have seen that type, that place of embattlement. You know, one time the children of Israel said, we don't want to go down to the valley. You know, there are enemies there. He has chariots. <laughs> Our enemies had a lot of stuff in the valleys that we've battled for, but God is bringing us into a point of completion and fulfillment so that we can know the fruitfulness and the vitality of the valley and that we can, through that central seal of point of strength, that core of identity of partnership with God, pull into full measure the promise and the fulfillment and that trifecta of victory in partnering with God is something that is amazing. This is what this means. So now, recognizing that plero means to complete, to accomplish, to fulfill, and I don't know how anybody, unless you've drifted off into sleep, seeing the way the Spirit used these scriptures throughout the New Testament, recognizing that it's time, it's preparation for ministry, it's fulfilling of the Word, and if you don't understand how this word is used by now, God help you. I don't want anybody going to text you, Wally, and say, what does plero mean? Acts 2.2. 2. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it plero, all the house where they were sitting. What does that mean? These people had been faithful to obey the Lord and to go to this upper room and to pray, offering supplication together in partnership with God to welcome through supplication the plan of the Father, the promise of the Father. And when that began to come, God said, your prayers for this endeavor have been complete. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And through that empowerment then, they spilled out onto the streets. There was, an, an, uh, there was an, an, an anointing for Peter to stand and say that this is that sermon, which was probably a culmination of what God had been revealing in those weeks, as many were frittering away and leaving and doubting. And what he had learned was this was a Joel 2 thing. He didn't go into the Isaiah passage with stammering lips and an unknown tongue. He could have easily done that. He might have added that as an addendum. But really, this was the promise of the Father from Joel 2. 
the fivefold giftings being poured out at the birth of the church in this first fruits feast. So the house was filled. And so Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Plero. You know, when you are, why did Paul connect these two things? Because when you're walking, trying to walk with God and to fulfill a segment of his timing and things get rough and you may look at other avenues to bring measures of replenishing and encouragement instead of looking to the Lord. Now, God will bring people to encourage you and he will give dollops of goodness, showers of blessing. Mercy drops round us falling. Friend, do you feel it today? Uh, but some people would resort to things they shouldn't. So Paul says, don't, don't go to the bottle. Don't go to the, to the wine sack and you try to assuage your, your weariness with that. Today he might say, do not binge on Netflix. Today, he might say, do not binge on 50 million uh, sermons that are out there for you to get your stems wound with. But be filled with the Spirit. Keep on pressing in the Spirit to the completion of what God has commissioned you to do. So, let's look at the next word. And now there are a lot of other, there are several other words in the New Testament that speak about a filling, but it's more of a, uh, a filling of the shelves or, or to stocking the pantry, as it were, or the pants, as Luke would say. Um, joking, just joking. But this word is pimpleme, and it, it's also in some of your concordances, uh, transliterated as pletho from pleo. Now, lest you let your mind be twisted over how pletho can be plimpleme, this this word um, it really means to have something come upon you in order to accomplish an appointed moment or task. Let's get that out of the way, and so. Uh, if you if you think about um, pletho and pleo are basically the roots, and the pleme part of pimpleme is is off of that root, but you add the pimpleme to describe how it manifests itself. So if you've got something that's coming upon you for a moment to accomplish a task then how it shows itself is the pimpleme. So they don't explain that very well. Some of you may not care, but some of you may. Um, and, and again, I don't want to go too far with this because we're kind of running out of time. I may go a little bit later today. Uh, you haven't heard me in a couple of weeks, which you probably need that break. But you can see that P-I-P-P-I-M-P-L and anybody in, Eng in English... You know what a pimple is when you were a, a teenager. Some people suffered with acne and they would say, something has come upon your face and it's noticeable and it's filled. We'll call that 
a pimpleme. Well, let's just shorten it to pimple. So that's how in modern understanding um, that word came about. But in the spirit, it's something comes upon a person. It's upon them uh, in order for them to accomplish to accomplish a appointed moment or a task. So let's look at how this is used. Fillings, Luke 1.15. For he shall be great, this is Gabriel, in the sight of the Lord, speaking, Gabriel speaking, he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, but he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Gabriel speaking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, from the time he was in the womb, was going to be appointed for a task. And in Luke 141, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Elizabeth had this task. That ancient mother, uh, wife of Zacharias, her filling with the Spirit was for this appointed task of, of encouraging Mary and of um, bringing about the birth of this little one in her womb that was empowered to prepare the way of the Lord. And again, in Luke 1.57, this word, pimpleme or pletho, is used again to spot, talk about the appointed time when Elizabeth was going to birth uh, give birth to John the Baptist. So it wasn't, fill my cup, Lord. It wasn't, oh, the anointment's so strong in here. Can you feel it? I've never felt anything like this before. No, it was the, the, the Spirit coming upon them to fulfill a task. Luke 167, when John was born, his father Zacharias, who'd been muted by the angel, for those months of uh, John's gestation, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, there's this. That, that measure of what John was going to say, what, what Zechariah was going to say then, after all of those months of, John, of Zechariah not being able to say anything because his words, when Gabriel appeared to him, were kind of naysaying. I'm not faulting Zacharias, but that's what it was. And his words were either going to bring life or death to this thing, so he was shut up. And then suddenly, what he should have been saying all along were actualized. He was filled, and the Holy Ghost allowed him to prophesy. Now let's look at Acts 2.4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I dare say most of you, including me, through a large part of my spiritual existence, did not realize that after the Spirit filled that room, plero, then when they were speaking in other tongues, first of all, they were filled with with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were commissioned by the Spirit to represent 
as emissaries what the Father was doing at that moment, the birth of the church, what the Father was doing in initiating this gift of glossolalia to the church, what God was doing in the spirit realm. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, and again, this is not a fill-my-cup moment. I got it. I spoke a couple of ba-ba-bas. They were commissioned by the Holy Ghost to accomplish something here, to represent something here, and subsequently, through that enablement, see this with me, they began to speak with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. The, the fiery tongues came on their head. Peter spoke. People were witnessing this, but the filling was for the accomplishment of task. And how can you define this in any other way? I'm sure some will find a way. Acts 4.8. This is after um, the, the healing of the man, the crippled man at the gate, beautiful. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, two chapters before, he had this filling on the day of Pentecost. A commissioning for that moment. Acts 4, 8, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost and he spoke, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And he talked about who had healed this man and he talked about how Jesus, who they had slain, hung on a tree, was risen and this power was through him. Peter was filled to accomplish that amazing message, that message to many of the ones who conspired to kill Jesus and who tried to cover up the resurrection. This was a filling for that moment. Do you see this? Acts 4.31, we're continuing. Peter goes to his brethren and cistern, <laughs> Uh, after uh, they had been threatened and told not to speak boldly. When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled, and they were all filled, here's this word, with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were filled again. They were commissioned for the next phase of what God wanted. This is so important for us to see. Oh my goodness. How important is this? Whew. Let's keep going. Well, maybe I need to stop down here for a moment. You know, I think that we, uh, we've encountered a lot of these kinds of things. I think when we said yes to God, he filled this place here in Dallas with a visitation of his spirit, a plero, because we had entered into a completion of the task of welcoming this movement of the saints. Not saying we're the only ones around the world that did it, but we certainly were a rarity. And that wonderful presence was here to captivate. And then we also received pletho, pimpleme. We received commissionings of the Spirit to accomplish various tasks. There were impartations to keep on praying, 
impartations to enter into the pneumatikos, to enter into the, the willingness to minister in the, in the heavens, to, to minister in the deeper understandings of the Scripture. These were impartations of the Spirit to do this. And then there was an impartation that came when we had to go out and do our first national and international into the Caribbean and into Canada and Mexico activations, which then opened the door for Europe and then subsequently so many other nations around the world. These were fillings that were upon us to accomplish a task. And then there were releases, like I believe we're feeling now, um, the, um, the elevation of valleys, the, the, uh, the, the supply, the way that God is saying you've completed measures and here's something that you need. We've been realizing this. But see, so often our flesh and the enemy would come in and not let us understand or, or prohibit us or deter us or influence us not to understand these ways. And so you want to go back to the old days when we all just were here wallowing in the Spirit. And, you know, we just want to feel that thing again when we were all together praying in diversities of tongues for the first time. Ooh, that felt so good. But then when God came with a filling to do something, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That's works. I just want to be here. Guess what? You got to have both of these fillings, folks. And you would be naive and infantile to just want, who wants to just, when you get to heaven, you're going to be busy. You know, that recently some of the NASA telescopes and their analytical devices have discovered that there are tens upon tens of thousands of habitable worlds in the universe to come in the in the, the the universes that i believe god has created for in eternity for many of the angels and the saints to go and establish dwelling places of the lord and that all of the stars of heaven you know abram uh, the father of all who walk in faith was shown all the stars, your, 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 your heritage is going to be as the stars that you see in heaven. And Abram believed in God, said, this is righteousness, this is my friend. I, I think that that just was not a numeric value. I think that that was something that we are, we're going to be busy throughout eternity, populating the creation of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens first because he wanted to have this, possibility and potential for us through eternity and he created the earth as the beginning point god created the heavens and the earth that's why it doesn't say god created the earth and the heavens so you're not going to just go up there and strum your sack butt and your liar and just stand on the streets of gold and talk to aunt nelly about the great depression you know, I want to sit down with Paul, and I want to sit down with John, and I want to talk to them, and I've got questions. Look, when you get up into heaven, some of those goofy questions you have, you're going to forget about them because they're so, they're not going to matter. We'll understand it better by and by. If that's true, then you're not going to care. So um, you're going to just want to serve him.
We're going to have the fullness of God and we're going to keep receiving commissionings to go forward. And so I say, let's just keep moving forward. Let's keep seeking the Lord. Let's know his supply. Let's know his coming upon us to accomplish tasks. And let's keep that going. But it's not going to be like you're in cradle roll in the nursery anymore. Who? Where are you going to put all your mantles and your swords if you're, if you're suckled up to Jesus? You know, he wants he wants a bride that is partnering. He doesn't want he doesn't want a bride that's one year old needing to have his bottle and diaper changed. I've gone off on that, haven't I? And oh, man, we're over time now. Let's keep rolling here. Um, Acts 9.17, Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Saul was being commissioned for a work right there. Acts 13, verses 8 and 9. Elamus the sorcerer, so, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, and esteme, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. There was a commissioning for that moment. And the locking of the eyes on this sorcerer was a defined directive from the Spirit for that moment. And blindness came on that guy. And Paulus was one that was, the whole region was impacted. And, um, but that was a divine commissioning for that moment. Let's look at one other word, a variation. This is pleris, which is an adjective of pletho or pimpleme. So an adjective kind of describes something. It, it, it describes a noun form. John 1.14, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, we became, beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was commissioned to lead the people. Remember, grace and truth came through Jesus to go forward according to the throne of grace, to, to, to find new ways of conquering in the, in the will of God, and to discover the Aletheia, those things that had been hidden, and to go into all truth. Jesus was given that, and he was filled with this. The adjective describes him. We need to continue to move in grace and truth, don't we? Luke 4.1, Jesus being full, there's Pleros, of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was commissioned from that baptism. Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The dove descended, the thunder spoke, and he was full of the Holy Ghost. He had a commissioning for what he was being led in by the Spirit to face in that wilderness was the temptation of the enemy. There was a commissioning from the Father to Jesus, the Son, it was a filling. Do you see that? It was a divine commissioning. Jesus, who had the Spirit without measure, received this divine commissioning. And if he did, how much more do we need it now? Acts 6, verses 3 through 5. 
Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full, pleres, of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business, this bidness. Can you imagine if this was said in old-timey Texan? Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men full of honest report, filled with the Holy Ghost. And yeah, when I do that, Sandra says, you sound like from Arkansas. Well, that we may appoint over this bidness. I know bidness is a good old Texas word. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full, pleros, pleros, of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Now, look at that. They needed men who were appointed by the Spirit, who were committed to what God had called them to do as disciples, who would put the end to the bickering between the Grecian and the Hebraic widows and those that were their counterparts. Maybe we need this anointing to step in into our nation right now and to quell this goofiness between uh, cancel culture and the left versus the right, and you know, you better do what we say or we're going to burn down your city. Maybe we need that. You know, Jesus knew how to give an answer that separated the, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Paul needed to get, knew how to give an answer that, that stood uh, between the Romans and the, uh, the, the Jewish zealots that wanted to destroy him and even to separate those factions we're not trying to be political here, but we need an anointing for this. And Stephen also received the, an anointing for what he was going to have to face as the first martyr of the early church, the first really prominent martyr. We don't know um, too much about what all went on there, but this was an anointing, which is probably why he could look up and see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. We're almost done here. Uh, positioned and supplied therein, these two, Matthew 14.20 and Matthew 15.37. They did all eat and were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained full, 12 baskets full. They did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. Why did it use this term pleras to describe the baskets being full? when the multitudes were fed by this little bit of amount of food in both of these instances? Well, basically because this, again, was an adjective. And it was speaking about how God came upon that moment and supplied for those thousands of people miraculously. And it was, it was they were basically one-offs. Um, in fact, Jesus reproved some people that were following him around just because they thought he was going to do it again. He did this to, for many reasons, the feeding of the thousands, primarily to show them the efficacy of what he came to represent and what the word was that he was teaching. And so the baskets filled was an adjective of that specific moment. Do you see that? Do you have supply in both of these words? I think that the fillings that we need, and I, I've got to wrap this up quick, but the fillings we need from the Holy Ghost is, first of all, the fillings to complete, to accomplish, 
to complete the, the manifestation of the Word, to complete the timing of God, to complete the timetable for what, uh, the timing of God on an overall basis and the timing of God for the things that we have been commissioned to do. And then we need the filling of the Spirit to let it come upon us or let Him come upon us to actually then accomplish specific tasks. But if we just run around as newbies thinking, okay, we need the anointment, we need a visitation, we need to feel it, feel it like we felt it. Oh, how I miss that. How infantile are we? We are not functioning as sons, which the New Testament scriptures in both of these filling words, which addresses most of all the things that we thought represented the Holy Ghost coming and speaking in tongues, we see that it is they are both to accomplish the timing, to accomplish the fulfillment of the word, to accomplish our role as sons in walking with God, and to accomplish an inception of an anointing coming upon us to do a task and to be what God needs us to be in this moment. Yes, it is a living, ongoing thing. But how do you find that? Not just by going to meetings or finding some hot spot or finding a group of people who like to pray and getting lost in the Spirit for a few hours. I love those moments. Hear me. But you, at some point, you've got to grow up. And you've got to be somebody that represents the kingdom as sons and daughters and know that there are many people looking to you and your, your claim to fame is not to just welcome the, the visitation of the Spirit so people can feel things. You know, I found out a long time ago that that's a fool's errand. When we would first go into uh, other countries, we thought that because the Spirit came and people were receiving tremendous visitations and they were all on their face before God and the angelic was moving and we thought, well, this will do it. We thought that maybe that was what accomplished it for us. And that was a noble thought. But we saw those same people that were on their face get up and start looking for other visitations. Sometimes people say, you know what, I, I love to come to your meetings, but you're, you're telling us things we have to do in the Lord. I don't like that. I don't want to have to work. You want to do an apostolic work? No, that's too much. I just want to feel him. We have people say that to us. Oh, you're, you're giving rules from the scripture? No, I don't want any rules. I just want to do whatever comes. What's the latest thing? I don't know what to think. I want to have an extreme thing. I just want manifestations, whether they line up with the word or not. So we found out a long time ago that it wasn't just the, the visitation of the Spirit. The glory is not goosebumps or pimples on yourself. The glory is partnering with God in Scripture by virtue of what he has ordained for the moment and for the time frame and for what he needs you to do. That's what the glory is. And so what led us to become saints was not just a visitation of the Spirit, as wonderful as it might be. It's recognizing that that visitation is there because you've walked with God and you've completed some section in him and it's the table set before you and that valley is being supplied, and now you're receiving another infilling 
another type of unfulfilling to rise up from that place and to go forth and do exploits. That is what the filling of the Spirit is in both of its places. It's not just feeling really good. Oh, man, haven't we learned this? So I release to you that whatever God has been accomplishing according to his divine timetable in this particular season, that that supply and that population of the valley would be yours and would be according to what God needs for you and for your prayer group, your dwelling place of prayer, your dwelling house of churches, your, uh, your, your walk in God. And I also release that secondary filling that empowers you to accomplish the task that's coming. This is exciting. This is marvelous. But we need these fillings. And we need to discard any elemental or limited viewpoints of the fillings that have maybe populated our walk and our, our life. And we need to embrace these. Why? Because this is Scripture. This is Scripture. And again, I, I grew up thinking I knew what filling was. And you can't, you can't just say, well, you know, I've got this bucket here, this cup. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. So he's going to fill me. Fill me now. Fill me now. You know, he's going to fill me. I'm just about dry. And he's going to fill my cup. Let God supply you. But the filling means something totally different than that. It's a fulfilling of you having partnered with God in obedience and in wisdom, in his timing, according to his word. And that saturation and that satiation of the things that have been longings in your life. Uh, it, it's a fulfillment it's an accomplishment, and what a joy that is. It's that table set before you. We're loving that now. Enjoy it now. And the other filling comes, commensurate with that, I believe, for, for the new day and what is coming. We need those fillings, not just a cup under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen? Well, 15 minutes late, uh, but I bless you. So tomorrow there'll be a prayer primer. Look forward to that. Um, God willing, we're going to keep moving forward. I'll see you this Sunday. And know that we're praying. May the filling of the Spirit be upon you. And uh, God bless you all. It's good to be back. Thanks so much for your prayers. But thanks more so for your willingness to stand and to be faithful in the things of God. God bless you all. Goodbye.